is one unexpected development amidst the current dearth of live concerts. No, digital concerts aren't the substitute, as good as some of them are. Album releases are the substitute. They are the cheese. The COVID pandemic, subsequent social distancing and the live performance hiatus has limited exposure to new things. In the resulting musical vacuum, album releases have now acquired a different status. They are, to me at least, no longer an anachronism in an on-demand world, contrived occasions when the privacy settings on a playlist have been sent to public. Now they are an event in themselves, an invitation to discover. Space has been cleared in my head, it's been roped off, I've sat down, I've focused, calmness has descended, and I'm ready to actively engage in listening, not unlike the experience of going to a concert, now I come to think of it. In the case of this podcast with soprano Catherine Dane and pianist Sam Armstrong, part of that occasion was established long before the album was shared. Their story, lifelong friends who at the beginning of the pandemic chose to quarantine together in Rotterdam, believing, like perhaps we all did back then, that this would be over in a matter of weeks, Well, their story was the kind of story that any whimsical individual with a preference for introversion would respond to warmly. With time stretched out and no place to go, the opportunity for total immersion in craft or repertoire presented itself, and what emerged was their album of lesser-performed song cycles by French composers. They are, then, Dane and Armstrong, the living proof that for some, not all, it was possible to turn quarantine into a positive, creative endeavour, better that than embarking on an impossible dream like writing a book or even more irritating making your own sourdough starter uh, i suppose what i want to why i normally ask people uh, first of all is um well, what did you have for breakfast let's start with that <laughs> you seem a little thrown by that <laughs> i love it yeah, um, obviously I made you've myself... not been asked that before. No, that's that's a good opening. I, right. I made myself a massive pot of coffee and okay. slowly woke up. And actually, that's a good question because that's a very quarantine thing, isn't it? It's just kind of stretching out the morning coffee ritual as long as possible. Because what else are we doing? <laughs> oh, dear. Well, the humanity, the humanity is, is actually quite painful. What, um, what, how do you brew your coffee? This was very plain, nothing fancy at all, except I did buy the nice Sweet. beans this time. This right. Was... So you grind your own beans, Dane. Is that? Yes. Is, you're, okay, right. Yes. When, when Sam and I were um, in the same house for all these months in this unexpected quarantine period, which we'll talk about, Sam is very persnickety about his coffee. And so there was a whole separate ritual for each person in the house. Right. Yeah, I, okay. I bought a gadget espresso machine. I think three days after arriving. So yeah, it was. I mean, uh, you know, uh, apparently for Catherine, but it was one of those uh, boomerang presents. Yeah. Well, <laughs> when <laughs> yeah, I don't normally, we don't normally expand quite so much on the breakfast thing. We haven't come on to you yet, Sam. But uh, Catherine, um, uh, how long does the big jug of coffee take? 
I think I made it last about an hour this morning. Okay, right. Yeah. And that will presumably <laughs> set you up for the rest of the day. I think so, yes. If I have any more, things will get ugly. Uh, oh, right. Um, I'll begin so... to speak too fast. It will, it will just be a disaster uh, okay. <laughs> in an interview. Well, uh, fine. Uh, Sam, you've had an enormous amount of time to prepare. So what did you have for breakfast, please? Make it good. Um... I had an um, espresso, orange juice, and granola with strawberries and blueberries. Oh, granola! Granola scares me. I don't. I don't really understand what the point is about granola. Similarly, is it Bircher? I don't get. I don't get what all the fuss is about Bircher. But um, to you, can you tell me? No. About Bircher. Well, let's start with granola. What, what's the big deal about? bloody granola no it's it's tasty and it's sweet and it's um yeah that's fine but for muesli it's it's a lot of work it's a lot of preparation i can't be bothered with that but but yeah but but granola it's pre if it's pre-made it's it's fine fine okay uh as i say we don't normally we only really ask that question for sound check uh but you know it's fun when you ask it for with two people who didn't really expect it it's a lot of fun um what can you uh what can you catherine see out of that window what is the view outside of that window behind you um this window is a very common view in the last however many months this is just this little street that i live on in rotterdam um it's been fairly quiet this whole six months or whatever um we've been making the most noise of anybody on the street i think as we've been <laughs> rehearsing messian and so forth we've had very patient neighbors which is very lucky have uh, have uh, either of them uh, have either of them have they commented have you have you been in conversation with them about it, a little about bit yes, was, yes well so there was this one um telling moment when i we have a small garden in the back that looks there's a small fence and we can speak to the neighbors especially this one set who i'm friendly with they um at one point i did sort of slightly apologetically look over the fence see them out trying to enjoy a nice evening meal as we were just finishing up rehearsing at probably you know 7 30 something a little bit out of the bounds of one you would normally want to be inflicting <laughs> your own practice on your on your neighborhood and I apologized a little bit and I said, this won't last forever. We're, we're preparing a CD project. And um, one of them, you know, was very sweet and said, oh, that's wonderful. That's great that you can do something like this in this time. And I could just see her husband quietly gritting his teeth next to her, <laughs> smiling as best he could manage. And I thought, oh, he's the one I'm really directing this apology to. <laughs> The Dutch are so polite, aren't they? Oh, very that's, polite. That's what I'm getting from this story. They're really, really polite, and they'll they'll say things that they don't really mean. Um, uh, how did you come to be in Rotterdam? I mean, are you resident in Rotterdam anyway, I or am. Is, is that yes. where you ended I, up? Yeah, I've lived here about eight years. I have a Dutch husband who also, by the way, is you know someone I needed to apologize to that our work was taking over the entire house. But um, I've I moved here yes a little bit more than eight years ago. And the Netherlands has been my home ever since. I came from New York, where I was studying and lived for some time. And that's also where Sam and I met, actually. We were both studying in New York. But, uh, um, yeah. Uh, Sam, what can you see out? I mean, I'm there is a window there. I can see it. What can you see out there of there? Is, I can see garden and sky. Are you in the UK? No, I'm in um, Dublin. I'm in Dublin, where I'm. Uh, I teach at the conservatory. I'm half between London and, and Dublin, although I'm 
that is a little more complicated at the moment with quarantines and things mm -hmm. like that. So um, yeah, so I'm, I'm here and I'm going to um, Amsterdam, or, well, Rotterdam on Friday, actually, because uh, we have our CD release concert next week in, in London. It's it's quite interesting to have these conversations with people now. Uh, I mean, it was it was interesting when lockdown started because that sort of drove uh, a whole set of questions that I really wanted to ask people. And now I I'm struck by how um, the idea of travel was a was a straight this time last year. The idea of travel was a straightforward concept. You know, oh, I'm I'm in Dublin this week and I'll be in 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 the Netherlands next week. Uh, and now a year later, it's uh, travel is an administrative nightmare, I think. I, I haven't done any, but um, because you have to negotiate various different sets of rules in different countries, which must make planning and thinking exhausting. It has. And it's, it's. I mean, it's been a, such an odd time for so many reasons, but one of them is that our schedules have thinned out so much because there's so much live performance that's not possible at the moment. Um, but the ones that still exist, the dates that are still on the calendar, they take so much more planning than normal. And there's so much uncertainty around every date about whether it will stand given the newest regulations and so forth, that each one feels like five normal concerts <laughs> mm. in terms of the mental energy to think about them, to prepare, to um, wonder whether they happen or not, and to uh make all the necessary arrangements. And presumably, Sam, uh, you know that that kind of travel. If you are travelling for a concert, you're you're having to account for the amount of time you have to quarantine uh, and ensure that you have access to a piano. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what your schedule is, but it, it's you know it's much easier for me. I just take all of my equipment with me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's complicated. I mean, um, it's yeah, it was um, it was amazing. Well, for for many reasons, it was amazing to to you know quarantine um and be in catherine's house in rotterdam for, for these six months that we did um together actually um not only because um you know it's great great company and it's great to have another musician to work with but also that there was a piano there and somehow as we being within the schengen zone made it much more easy to still do concerts that i had happening in europe and things like this and and yeah it's sort of um and things were i mean obviously things were in a difficult particularly difficult moment right now in terms of restrictions but it was kind of possible to move around to a certain degree especially during the summer actually so but yeah it's it's certainly complicated and i think each each time i travel i have to look either side about quarantine restrictions mm -hmm. and what are the rules and can you work during a quarantine are you allowed to do essentially like uh you know work during uh, a quarantine period so it's really it's complicated and you have to really keep your eye on the ball with that and it's constantly changing actually so it's complicated yeah i we will well, i promise uh, in the words of danny baker who always um introduces his podcast in the same way we will get onto the subject of the conversation eventually but this is kind of what happens uh that we end up going off the tangent so bear with me but i wonder whether this sort of weird period aside from the opportunity to reflect and really focus on things and rededicate and, and all of those other words um i wonder whether it's changed your either of you has changed your your way of thinking or your approach to organization or you know i'm i'm interested in in what impact these strange times what impact has had on your thinking I think that for me, I was used to cramming so much work into a short amount of time because we had to. And I mean, we still have to be our own publicists and our own PAs and everything, you know, that 
the work of being a performer, there are many facets to it and that's still true. But with the slowing down, in some ways it has allowed me to be a little bit more deliberate about all of those aspects, especially the musical preparation. I can actually spend more time on that than I normally can. Um, sometimes that's terrifying, of course. <laughs> You're confronted with all your demons in a way that is much more open-ended and has fewer deadlines and thus fewer points at which you can say, yep, that's good enough for now. And that's Aww. great. And also sometimes it's, it's just quite different. And that was true with the CD preparation, but it's been true with other things too. At the same time, it's a relief. All, I think all of us, this has been a common thread with a lot of people I've talked to in this entire period that we were all spinning so many plates at once and, and barely keeping it together. And in a way, this has allowed me to slow down and to write emails more deliberately. I write a blog. I've been able to put in more thoughtful time on that. Um, I'm sure, or I hope that things will get a little bit more active as time goes on and as this, as we figure out how to cope with all of this. But I think in a way it was a good reminder that we can take a little bit more time over things. We don't have to be running around all the time. And in fact, that can make our work better. You, uh, Sam, you're nodding in a way that says that either you agree with everything that Catherine said, or, or hopefully there's something additional that you want to add. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I, yeah, I mean, completely agree with what Catherine said that it, it, how do I say um, professional performing life can turn into a bit of a merry-go-round and, and of course it's great to have lots of stimulation from lots of different people and it's great to travel and, and those things but actually um, I think the, the really hard thing about now about the time we live in it's a very fast-paced life and I think for deep and, and, and true and um, assimilated performances of great music it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of patience so I think that you know, for all it's been an extremely difficult time, I think there's a lot um, to be remembered that actually to give music really time to breathe and time for it to settle and and also give yourself time to change your mind and and time to really ex explore and, and come to conclusions that are, you know, deeply considered and, and meaningful. Uh, I'm really interested in, in uh, or I'm fascinated by the idea that actually when there was less time, when there was a deadline, then there was more impetus to to complete, to deliver, and that actually by having more time, you you have permission to to explore stuff. I mean, from my perspective, I would never get anything done, uh, which is why a lot of a lot of PRs often have to after I've recorded a podcast, which I adore doing the recording of a podcast. But when it comes to editing it and publishing it, that's when the PRs have to come back to me and say you. You will remember to do that, won't you? You, you because because <laughs> this is going to come out this week, and you you will you will. So actually, I need that. I I find that I need that impetus to, to help me complete. Oh, I'm probably not doing my career very much good, such as it is. Um, how did you? Uh, so as I understand it, the story goes that you sort of almost accidentally ended up uh, in lockdown together in Rotterdam. Is that have I remember that correctly? Um, it was actually kind of a choice. I mean, we didn't expect it to, we expected maybe three, two, three, four weeks or something initially. Um, we had a concert scheduled uh, with um, with a clarinetist, I think it was middle of March. And I already, I already had a flight um, to the Netherlands and, you know, we did a quick phone call. We made a quick phone call before we, um, 
you know, before I cancelled and I just said, well, actually, shall I come anyway? And all of the teaching, uh, the teaching in Dublin was happening online anyway. It had already switched over. So, yeah, we decided to come and we had this this program, including the Nassim Point for me and the program that we ended up doing for the CD. We um, we had it scheduled uh, for a concert in Amsterdam in June, actually, which obviously was cancelled. Um, uh, but we, you know, it was such a difficult program that we actually thought it would be it would buy us a few weeks to to work on it. Actually, so it was it was a conscious choice, although we it wasn't a con you know it wasn't planned to to be there for mm. six months. Let's say, yeah. And one thing to add to that is that we knew we would have a little bit of time together to work on this program that we did have specifically planned, but also we've been friends for a long time and we've spent a lot of time together and we have always wanted to do more performing together. And it's not always easy to make the things happen that you want. And one thing that we've been enjoying being able to do in the last couple of years, as you know, travel becomes very easy. We both have various dates in each other's countries now and then we've been able to get together once or twice and just read music that we've loved for a long time. And that had started to be somewhat more possible in the last one or two years. And we'd been able to make a few more plans together than we had in the past. And this sort of reminded us in a way of um, when we were students. And then you have lots of open-ended time and you have mm -hmm. classes that are giving you um, new material and you have teachers who are inspiring you. And of course, when you're in the profession and you're constantly moving forward and you're doing what's you know, of course you have some control over your repertoire, but you don't have as much time to explore. And so another thing that we thought with the beginning of this period, before we had any idea that it would be so long, was that we could also not only work toward deadlines that we knew about, but we could really spend more time exploring, trying things and looking around together. And it didn't have to be perfect. It didn't, we didn't have to be working toward a deadline. This again was the theme that we could just try things in an open-ended way and see what came out the other end. Did you did you agree on that, or is that some? Are you but are you sort of applying a bit of hindsight and and that glorious sort of retrospection uh, that that works so well for for these kind of things, or is that something that at some point during this period you both went actually it would be really good if we just went to hell with it if we make mistakes of it. I think that that was actually from the beginning. And in fact, some of the music that we were trying together in the first one or two weeks even had nothing to do with any projects that were planned. We were trying music. Um, we both really love songs of Josef Marx, for instance, which is music that is not very often performed. I've done a little bit, Sam has done a little bit, but we've not tried any of it together. Um, we were looking at songs of Samuel Barber, which I really love and haven't done in quite a while. And a lot of this was music that ended up not um, cohering into a project, but just stuff we loved and wanted to try. And that might end up cohering into a project in the future. We hope that we both get to do and get to do together music of Marx, Barber, other composers. But uh, yeah, I think, I think it was quite deliberate, even in the beginning to just, oh, it will be nice to have some time. Let's see what we do with the time. There's all this music. We never have time to look at it. Let's just see. That's, uh, I think, I think possibly, <laughs> you, you might both of you, I mean, I'm going to assume that Sam's in agreement, uh, but uh, because if you weren't, then that would make this an extremely awkward interview. But um, <laughs> uh, I think you are in the minority in that you approach this period of time in that way i mean you know the stories that i've read and the other anecdotes that other musicians 
uh, like yourselves have shared with me have been along lines of dear god almighty my diary is empty and uh what am i going to do next and uh, you know there, there was a there was a period of time when there was a sense of panic i think um and for some people i imagine that panic is still there uh, what at what point did did you hit upon these particular songs for the album um just to address what you just said. Yeah, I realize I, 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 I fired two questions at you, haven't yeah, I? Yeah, but the, the they're time. both they're both really good and they're both really relevant. I, I would not like to imply that we were not panicking. Right. Okay. Right. <laughs> I mean, Sam, I think you can expand on that if you like. But I mean, it, there is a little bit of hindsight, of course, in being able to say, "Oh, it was so great. We were a pianist and a singer together, and so we could do all this work." And that has turned out to be true, but. Of course, we felt as much disorientation and loss and fear as anybody else. I mean, there was there was a way that you lived your life and a way that you got used to monitoring how things were going and how you were spending your time and if you were meeting your deadlines and if your work your work was valuable or not. And then suddenly that all went away, mm, and that was certainly mm. true for us as much as anyone else. How long did that transition take? Sorry, I've now cut it. This is what happens. I'm sorry, Catherine. I'm really sorry. <laughs> How long did that transition take for you, Sam, to go from, oh, my God, to, okay, we're going to do this? Um, I, I guess, to be, to be honest, I think it all, it all comes in waves. I don't know that, um, you know, panic or, 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 or stress or a sense of purpose, are, you know, that it was a panic for a month and then the rest has been amazing you know i think it i think with each new project that you see fall through or cancelled or or things that you thought you could count on like are, are, are gone then i think that in a way that doesn't really disappear i think each new cancellation or each new thing that falls through um and i think it was interesting we were sort of we would kind of drag each other out of sort of depression if you know when you know there was a day when Catherine had a big cancellation for something that she was really looking forward to and when she was more more bleak and I was in a more positive space and and you know and and somehow we kind of balanced each other out but I, I mean certainly um a lot of musician friends um in the UK and particularly in the US are really you know, up a creek without a paddle, and mm -hmm. there really there aren't the social protections that there are in the rest of Europe, and and there aren't, um, you know, I mean, uh, obviously there's no right answer to the to the whole pandemic situation, but I think in terms of safety nets for people, I think certainly the US and the UK um, are less strong than than others, and also it's been much less possible for for things, concerts, and and normal work for musicians to happen in those places mm. i think that that's an extremely diplomatic way of putting it sam <laughs> i think <laughs> i think many other people will probably say it's a bit shit at the moment um, <laughs> 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 but, but i get that you're here to sell an album i i, I get i get why we're here uh well, I, it would be it would be a lie if we said that we hadn't used those exact words many times <laughs> about the same situation uh because i interrupted you before catherine you must tell me how you arrived at, at this particular selection for the um because it's for me when i when i listen to it um or certainly when i hear the tasters from the from the trailer actually i feel as though it's um what's the right word it's it feels like it's going in. Well, it feels like I'm going into an art gallery and seeing art that I've not seen before, and it being a real delight for the eyes. I mean, I I took a lot in 
Uh, I talk a lot in <laughs> some posts coming under the door. I don't know. I don't know, don't know why that happened. Um, uh, yeah, it's sort of a, a feast for the eyes if something uh, audio-based can be a feast for the eyes. So um, I wonder how you arrived at that, at these personal passions. Well, that's extremely kind of you to say, and I'm so glad that that's the impression you have. Um, we knew that we needed to prepare the Messian, or we had been wanting to work on these Messian songs for a long time. So that had been a goal for already more than a year, specifically, and longer than that in a more general way. So we did spend time at the beginning, even when we were very confused, disoriented at the beginning, and we were just reading through any music that we wanted, the Messian score was sitting on the piano staring at us you know saying okay well you know we're going to we're going to make progress on this during this the way time. the messian really does <laughs> he's, he's just there he does. he's there and he's not going to go away until someone's done something about this okay. pretty much you know we we knew that this is a spine that we wanted to break for sure during this time and wow. and still it took a little bit of time and in a way courage it's it's just difficult music and it takes we knew that it would take a lot of time to assimilate so at some point we did start um in the meantime we were looking at wc songs which we had done together as students we were looking outward from there we had this draft of a program that we thought maybe we would try to do live and see how it went and that sam had mentioned that was a program that we had planned for june and we thought this is the time to get started um that program went through various changes to become the program that's now on the CD, but the idea of it turned out to be very um, compelling to both of us. And as we got into the music of the various composers that were represented on that initial idea of a program, it all really made sense and it all seemed to fit together. And um, what's more, it all seemed actually kind of relevant to the moment in ways that were surprising to us and that we certainly didn't initially plan. But um, the, the Messian songs, Poem pour me, he wrote them when he was um, newly married to Claire Delbeau, who was another composer on the album. Um, her music is not well known at all, but it turns out that she's written some really special songs, very beautiful, that are hardly ever done. And as we got to look at those, we thought, oh, this is amazingly special too. And she wrote these songs um, to poems that were written by Messian's mother, Cécile Sauvage, who was a poet. And that I found kind of, well, it's easy to laugh about in a way to think what sort of whack situation is that that she's setting poems by her mother-in-law in the first years that they were married. I'd call it about... pragmatism. That's what I call it. <laughs> <laughs> really? I, found, I say that's a sound strategy. <laughs> Excellent. Um, those ended up feeling weirdly very spiritually connected to, to Poem Pour Me. They were the song cycles were written around the same time and were premiered on the same concert. Um, the WC songs were written to poems that WC himself wrote and that's the only time that he ever did that in his career. Although he was very literary, um, he chose very high quality poetry very often, but this is the only time that he chose to set his own poems and this felt significant to us. And the, the songs are very um, nostalgic and very sweeping and very epic feeling and that match the grandeur of the Messian cycle. We began looking into songs of Dutilleux and Caesariajo, both of whose music I love. Um, they seem in a way like spiritual or musical descendants of the other composers. And 
slowly we began to come up with this program that really made sense in terms of a kind of restlessness of composers and poets that matched the restlessness and the uncertainty of the moment for us and for all performers. So that, that took a little while to realize that thematically the program was very connected to the time, but once we began to feel very assimilated with the music and, and um, like we were beginning to get a hang, the hang of it, and we realized that it had this connection in terms of um, people being in intense times of their lives and either looking forward to the future when the intense time was a memory and thus less intense, mm -hmm. or looking backward to the past when things were supposedly better, it all really matched how we and all musicians, I think, were feeling. And uh, as time went on, it just all came to feel like exactly the right thing for the moment. And it was a bunch of beautiful music. <laughs> so even if you don't know any of that background, I mean, I, I'm happy to hear you say that it feels like a feast for the senses. That's also what we want. Yeah, I, I hear, um, I hear uh, this is a, a weird thing to say. I'm just going to flag it, but I hear color and I hear Good. the light. Um, uh, and, you know, the, a certain amount of that is a projection on my part because, um, you know, when we were talking about how, how one dealt with the, the first phase of this pandemic, I, I myself felt sort of at times I felt an overwhelming, I am, I am a musician in that I, studied it but i was never a professional musician but because of the podcast and because of writing blogs about something that i care passionately about uh, i did notice that there were periods of time when i felt an overwhelming sense of empathy uh, for people for whom i could do nothing um and it appeared that the government also in this country at least had a similar view but for different reasons uh, and that made it even more painful and so i i wonder whether that sort of that colour that I hear um, is sort of a, it's almost like reconnecting with, with the, the, the thing that, that powers all of this passion for people like me and for other people. That's a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of hot air there, but um, do, do you understand what I mean, Sam, please say yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, yes. I mean, absolutely. I mean, I think that's the best we can hope for, you know, for sharing this, this music that is not, heard so much actually and 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 i think i mean it's interesting um, messiah has had um synesthesia and would hear colors actually and 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 have very uh clear vis visualizations there's actually a chart where he writes all his harmonies and and he's like red tinged with with a translucent yellow with this and all of these things and and of course uh, synesthesia i mean people will see different colors with with different sounds and and, and harmonies but yeah i mean it, it's um it's a known um a known, I don't want to say condition. Thing. <laughs> I'm not sure what the right word is. But, it's but a yeah, known um, thing. It's a um, known thing, yes. You've been listening to the Thoroughly Good Classical Music Podcast, available on Spotify and Audioboom. To get in touch, please tweet at Thoroughly Good. You can also follow Thoroughly Good on Facebook and read the blog at thoroughlygood.me.